Over the past week, Denise and I had the privilege and opportunity to attend a pastor's conference conference out in Sacramento, uh, hosted by Jesus Culture. Um, one, I want to thank the church for sending us, enabling us to go out there. Um, cannot tell you, it, it, if, I, if I wasn't there for any reason, it was just for the first night and that next morning message, because uh, it Incredibly powerful week. Uh, I'm just going to use this. I usually use my this one. I'll just stay here, Gabe, if that's all right. Um, but we had a powerful week, powerful first three days there in Sacramento. Then we got to drive up as to visit Kennedy and Tyler in Redding. And Kennedy had us a full day Thursday, which we went to two of their classes there at Bethel. And then... Uh, to a revival group that afternoon and then that evening they were having a students night of prayer and worship uh, which was just so refreshing because uh, they're not there they, they could care less what they look like in your eyes that they just worship they just pray and uh, me and Denise were talking. I said, she said, what do you think? I said, it really reminded me of old harvest days, the childlike faith. And I was like, God, I want to go back there. Incredible week in God's presence. Incredible days with Kennedy and Tyler. Uh, on Friday, we, you know, we spent the day. Denise had never been to Sa uh, San Francisco, so we drove up there, uh, did all the touristy things. Uh, and, and then got on the boat, went out around Golden Gate Bridge. You got to see that. Then went around Alcatraz and and uh, and had a great day. Um, this, the week ended Friday with me walk, us walking back to our car, getting back to our rental car, and the rear window busted out. The driver's side, passenger side busted out. They had taken my backpack, Denise's backpack, her purse. You know, and people are saying, I didn't know this. You know why? Because I don't feel the need to post everything that happens in my life on Facebook. Some of y'all need to mature enough to where every aspect of your life and relationships doesn't get posted on Facebook because it ain't nobody's business. That's free. But we got back there. In that in my in my backpack, they didn't take her suitcases. I wish they did. I've got clothes. I could have went and bought new clothes. Um, my computer, brand new, MacBook Pro. Had my in ears in it. Had a couple books uh, in there. I taken one out, hoping to see Chris Valton and get him to sign it. I'd have really been upset if I'd got him to sign it and then they'd taken it. Um, and I don't know what happened to me in that moment, but I didn't get angry. But I felt something just begin to cover my soul, not in a good way. I shut down. I shut down. I'm sitting outside, uh, Denise and them, they're going in to watch the video because we were, we were not in a bad neighborhood. 
Denise, they go into the restaurant because they have footage of it taking place. I'm on the phone with the police trying to take care of, of business. Um, and, and man, I, I, I'm telling you, it just, I felt this cloud just hit me. And I went silent. I didn't talk unless a question was asked to me. I mean, I, I, I was just quiet. Got up the next morning, or on the, then on the way from there, we, we take care of everything. Uh, we go to the to rental car place. They give us a new vehicle so we don't have to drive back to Sacramento with busted out windows. So we get a new, well, then we drop Kennedy and Tyler off in Vacaville, and then we're headed from there to Sacramento, and Denise goes, oh, no. I put the keys to our car in Nashville in my backpack. We did not have extra keys. So, again, I just get quiet. I don't even respond. Don't even respond. So all that's going on, I get up the next morning, and I'm just like, man, I am just ready to get home. Somewhere between the layover we had in Chicago and, and, and landing in Nashville, God began to speak to me. He said, Kelly, are you going to allow five minutes of your day to steal what I put in you the first three days, four days of this. And I, I, we do that so much. We will come in here on a Sunday and God will just pour, pour, pour into us. And then we allow the enemy to come in, something to happen, and it take us. And I've been praying, even up to that point, even in my numbness. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're just numb, but you do pray because you're like, it's either pray or cuss, God. So normally I would cuss, and maybe I cussed and prayed. Who knows? But in my head, here's what I began to do. Somewhere between Chicago and Nashville, I began to repent. God, forgive me for allowing this to suck the life that you poured into me, out of me. Forgive me. And I, and I began to pray this. God, let one of those books, let them get it out and just a glance of it. It seemed interesting to them. And they open it up. Because I, I don't know if you remember uh, about the guy they were chasing down in Atlanta. We were living in, in there. And I think he had killed somebody. And he wandered into this woman's house. Uh, and, and was holding her. And she had just read The Purpose Driven Life. And, and began to walk this guy through it. And he surrendered. And pretty much. And I, so I began, God, you know what? If you can do that once, you can do it again. That's something. If they get into my computer. Which they can't because... Apple's pretty smart, and it's locked down. And I left them a nice message. If it is opened up, they see this message. And it is. It's nice. Nice message. And I pray, God, you know what? More than my stuff, I want back. I want something. I want this to count for something. I want, it to, I want, I want them to think, man, we're... Because here's what God showed me also. I'm getting a little off script. Is that they had been discipled to do this. You know, uh, a couple nights before that, Denise and I were at, um, listen, I have got a, the spiritual gift of finding a Ross wherever I'm at. 
and found one in Sacramento. And and I, I, me, I could finish up my shopping, and I don't even bother Denise. I just go sit in the car until she calls me and says I'm coming out. And I went in and and did come back out. And then here I see Denise and one of the workers walking out, and they're hollering. I'm like, what is Denise hollering at? And sure enough, these two women with their kids just walked out of the store with all the stuff without paying for it. And when they saw them, the women began to holler to their children, run, run, hurry. And I thought, they're discipling their kids. See, whether you want to know it or not, you are being discipled by something or someone. And, and what I had to decide is, in that moment, what, what am I going to be discipled by? Am I going to allow this to take away everything that God has poured into me? And then I get land, land in Nashville. Casey tries to call me, and I'm, we're trying to get, because we're, now that we've landed in Nashville, we've got to get a locksmith to come out and make keys for us. And, and so we call through our travel insurance, and both the people they send out to us can get us in the car, but none of them can make a key. And I'm like, God, you, you really tested me. And so I just remain quiet, and I'm praying in my head. I'm letting Denise take care of it because at this point, she's a lot nicer than I am. And we get the guy out, man, and God sends us this guy. And I mean, within 15, 20 minutes, he's, he's got us in the car. He's got us started, and we're on our way back home. And I'm on, in case he had tried to call me in the middle of that, I didn't uh, answer because of everything. So then I called him back. Hey, just want to let you know, uh, the water froze up here at the church. I didn't even mention a word of anything that I just went through. And I was just like, okay, man. He said, but he said, and I don't know if he can sense it in my voice, but he's like, hey, hey, man, no, no, don't worry about it, though. I've got to take care of. And I know he did because I know him. I know him. But back to the conference. That's where I'm at this morning. Back to the conference. Because I know the enemy tried to steal the, the seed that was planted in me through banning and through the other teachers that spoke at that conference and then their time at Bethel. Uh, Banning, who was the host and the founder of Jesus Culture, spoke Monday night, spoke Tuesday morning, and like I said, man, what he said wrecked me for the rest of the week. He, he made a statement that stuck with me the entire time. If, if I didn't hear anything else, what he talked about in these two sessions was life-changing for me as an individual and as a pa- the pastor of this body here. And I'm going to tell you one the comment he made that really stuck here in a minute. For, because the entire week, that comment he made kept coming back to me, kept being repeated in my mind. And, and when God began to speak to me on the way back home, something kept bringing up that comment he made over and over. Oh, by the way, you, anybody remember what uh, I, I said, that the word that God had given me for this year? healthy healthy do you know and i didn't even notice this my wife brought it up one evening she said isn't it funny the two things that kept coming up in this conference were healthy and disciple and we're in the middle of the disciples uh and uh 
She's like, I guess you did hear from God. I said, well, I sensed a little bit of doubt in your voice there for a moment, but no, I didn't. I guess you did hear from God. But, but this kept coming back to me. And what he said came from an Old Testament passage. Uh, Exodus. If you're not familiar with this story, I'll give you a little feedback, a little rundown. And I'm not going to be long, and I know Bubba's sharing in the back here, sharing to my pregnant daughter. I saw you getting out of breath this morning. Yeah, it's all right, man. It's anointed. Exodus, second book of the Old Testament, opens up with the children of Israel, God's children, uh, Hebrews. They're in Egypt, and it talks about how their numbers begin to grow and grow. And this new king takes over uh, that doesn't remember uh, their history or what has happened. And all he knows is, man, they're, they're, if we don't do something, they're going to outnumber us. And so he said, he assigns them slave masters. He says, I want you to work them to the bone. I want you to heap as much work up on them as possible. And, and so he, he does it and begins to work them ruthlessly. Well, chapter 2 of that, Moses is born. If you don't know the story of, of, about that, one thing I've learned is I grew up in church, but the people that God has called us to, most of them did not. And so I don't assume anything anymore. Moses is born. The, kid, the, the king is killing all the Hebrew children, two years of age and younger. So Moses' mother, she hides him as long as she can. Finally, she weaves his back skin. If you know the story, puts him in there and the, hides him in the reeds. It goes down. She has his, her, her daughter says, watch, watch him, see what happens to him. Well, Pharaoh's daughter's down there bathing and, and, and getting some water. She finds the baby Moses. And she says, oh, what a beautiful baby. I bet I can't nurse him. Can somebody find me a Hebrew woman that can nurse this baby? Well, the sister sees it. Oh, I know, I know somebody that can. My mama can. And I think it just shows uh, how God can work. Uh, even when we're trying to hide, God says, I'll, I'll work it out. So... Moses grows up, and it's funny, this Hebrew kid that they were trying to kill actually grows up in the king's house that was trying to kill him. And he grows up, and one day he's out work, walking through the city, and he sees this Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew. Now, they, they, they see him as an Egyptian, not as a Hebrew. And, but... He, something within him it angers him that they're beating up one of his people. He ends up killing the Egyptian and trying to and hiding him in the sand, thinking, "Okay, let's go back to normal." Well, then the very next day, uh, if you follow on the story, a couple of Hebrews are fighting each other, and most like, "Hey guys, come on, break it up!" And one of them says, "Oh, what? What are, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian?" And so Moses now knows he's caught. And so Moses takes off running, and he leaves Egypt and heads to Midian. Makes make this long story short. Uh, Moses encounters a burning bush, and man, there's so much about this that I've learned. Uh, I don't have time to get into it yet, right now. Maybe another day. God tells him, "Hey, hey." Go set my people free. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, Moses goes, talks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says no. God sends all these plagues until Pharaoh's no turns into just go. Get out of here. 
uh, and so he leaves. Most of the children of Israel, they set out for the promised land. The land has been promised to them, and that brings us to where we're going to be for a moment, Exodus 33. Moses has been out in the wilderness with these about a million people for a while. And this is the conversation that takes place between God and Moses. And you may be wondering what this has to do with this discipleship series we're in, but we'll get there. Exodus 33, 1 through 3. Then the Lord said to Moses, Hey, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Go up to the land I promised, the promised land. Go there on oath. I I promise this on the oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. Verse 2, I will send an angel before you, drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. God is making Moses an offer. He says, Moses, that land that's been promised to you, I'm going to make it good. Go. Go. I'm even going to send angels ahead of you to wipe out your enemies. And you're going to enter the land that I've been promising you that's flowing with milk and honey. But I, I need to add something to this. But I will not go with you. I won't go with you. You're going to get everything you've been wanting, but my presence is not going to be with you. You're going to have the land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to destroy your enemies. I'm going to do all the work that I promised, but my presence isn't going to be there. Verse 15, Moses replies back to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. God, if it's between the promised land, having everything I ever wanted, having the comforts of life, but lacking your presence, I'll stay here in the wilderness because that's where your presence is at. As a disciple of Jesus, I began to wonder what, what, what would we choose if Jesus came to us? Hey, I tell you what, all those prayers you've been praying, I'm going to answer them every one. But my presence isn't going to be with you. Or you can hang out here with me in the wilderness where my presence is at. The blessings you've been praying for, the good life you've been praying, it's yours, but my presence isn't going with you. I begin to think, what would we do concern is because we don't really know what the presence of God is in his fullness we would say deal deal I get the car I've been praying for I get the woman the man I've been praying for the marriage is healed I get man all this taken away hey I I get the job I want the house I want deal I'm in comes to the anatomy of a disciple a true disciple knows the value of his presence are you hearing me a true disciple knows the value 
of his presence. That even if you've got all this stuff, if you don't have his presence, you've got nothing. Still happening today. Uh, you know, in, in, in John, uh, a lot of Jesus' followers got offended at some things Jesus was teaching. Still happening today. Jesus said some things they didn't like. Jesus said some things that didn't line up with the way they thought life should be. Jesus said some things that, hey, that doesn't line up with the way I see it going. That doesn't line up with what culture is telling me. And it says they got offended and left. And here, here it is. It's in John 6, 66 and 67. Watch this. After this, many of his disciples left. They no longer wanted to be associated with him. Then Jesus gave the 12 their chance. You want to leave also, guys? See, the ones that left that day, they decided being a follower, being a disciple isn't convenient enough for me. There's some things I don't like about what Jesus says. Oh, man, it's still going on. The only problem is now we make up our ver own version of what we think Jesus said. And we create a gospel around it, a religion around it. The ones that left that day. I don't like the way Jesus sees things. I don't like what he has to say about my lifestyle. And they left. Jesus looks at Peter and the other disciples. Hey, here's your chance. You want to leave also? I love, love, love Peter's response to this. Because Peter valued the presence of Jesus. Look at verse 68 in John 6. Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where are we going to go? No one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. Lord, where are we going to go? I find my purpose in you. I find my life in you. I, I, it doesn't matter if I leave here and I can go back to having a thriving fishing business. If your presence is not with me, what does it even matter? They're going, God, and I hate it. I like some of those people. But God, if it's between them, the crowd, and climbing with you in your presence, I'm climbing. Banning made a statement. The first night in that morning, he kept saying this, man, he just hit repeat. Bring up this statement, he said. If we don't have the presence of God, we have nothing to offer the people. That's where I'm at today. Because it's so easy and I even found myself knowing what I was about to preach, doing it this morning. Man, the transition was wrong. See, I, I just even noticed Bubba hit that chord that was not right. 
because that's the way I'm wired to do. I'm wired to do that. <laughs> I don't either. But here's the thing. Here, and, and here's the thing. We think that a mistransition is going to keep somebody's life from being changed. We think if someone does, if our lives, if our words don't get up there on the right time, that's going to keep somebody's life from being changed. If they hit a wrong note, if the tempo goes out, if somebody, no, if we don't have the presence over the presentation, it does not matter. We, as a body, can I be real clear? And I'm usually very honest with you. We're going to become more about his presence than presentation. Now, now let me say this. I'm all, I believe Jesus deserves our best. But I'm not going to get up wrapped up on the front row. In fact, my, my daughters and my wife knows if they see my head down, because I grew up in music. I was a worship pastor for 20 plus years. I noticed the little things. And if my head's going down, it's because I don't want whoever's singing out a key to be able to see my face. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help them reach that note. I felt like God said, man, quit worrying about all that. Here's the question you need to be asking, Kelly. Is my presence there? Listen, I, I want us to put our best foot forward. also want his presence even more. So we as a body we're going to take some time here to close this out to say Jesus where would we go? Where are we going to go? You're the one that gives us life. Where are we going to go? You're the one that gives me purpose. You're, you're the only... You're the only reason I get up out of bed in the morning if I'm being honest, God. You're the only reason I don't let depression at at times grip me to the point where I don't even get out of bed. But I get up because, God, I just want your presence. I sit up here thinking as Casey was talking I felt God say this. Look, I've set a table up here for people. And it's, I'm trying to think of the nicest place I've ever eaten because me and my wife are so cheap that we walk in and we're like, let's go somewhere else. Food is great. I don't care. I'm going to be sick if I pay that much for that steak. I'm trying to think. People have told me about Ruth Chris. They're like, yeah, $40 out for everything. No, 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 that's just for the steak. Then you got to buy the potato. That's another $8. And you got to, uh, oh, I'll never know unless somebody takes me there because we are that cheap. Frugal, whatever you want to call it. You know where we stopped? We had, we had Yesterday, we had ate nothing but junk all day because we had to get to the airport so early. And, and uh, so we, I've got my trail mix. We've got, and they give similar things. And we're on the way home, and he says, where do you want to eat? And we're like, oh, let's just get it. We, we drove through Arby's. And we were happy. 
connected with that. But here's what I felt like God spoke, said to me. I've set a table with food that you could not buy anywhere. And I've been inviting people to come and dine, come and eat, come and sit at the table. But they've got so used to this fast food mentality where they just want to pull up, have it delivered, have it brought to them so they can then leave and feel satisfied. But I'm not calling them to a fast food faith where they drive through, get their little tingling sensation, and then go out and live like hell the rest of the week. I'm calling them to dine. Come and dine. Come and sit at the table with the king because here is where the, the Jesus is going to pour into us. Here is where he's going to begin to say, hey, this is what's going on in your life. Hey, this is what we need to change here. Hey, you're doing a great job in that area. Let me encourage you. This at the table. So, if you came for fast food today, you are SOL. And somebody can explain that to you later. You're out of luck. Because we're here to dine with the king, and the king don't serve junk food. And that's why when I'm sitting up here and when Sheridan is singing, wouldn't it be like you to be different than we thought, better than we want? sitting back there and watching. I was like, they don't get the value of his presence. A few, a few did. But I want you to get the value of his presence. And listen, if this is new to you, or if you're not a follower of Jesus, listen, this is not, I'm, I'm talking about follow people that say they're followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, but yet they cannot recognize the presence of their king, the one they say they're following when he walks into the room. Do you remember the story? Man, I'm getting off track here. Bob, I would ask you if it's okay, but I'm going there anyway. Do you remember the story when to, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the two, it says two of his disciples, I think it's in Matthew, they're walking down the road talking about what just took place. Jesus shows up and they don't even recognize him. And then the funny thing about that story, Jesus began, they said, are you the only one? Jesus says, hey, what are y'all talking about? Are you the only one that hasn't heard? And the Bible says that Jesus then for seven miles begins to teach them about himself. And they still don't recognize him until they sit at the table and Jesus breaks the bread, gives thanks, and serves it to them. When they sit at the table and Jesus did that, it says, they said, weren't our hearts burning the entire time? And I have a feeling a lot of times we come into our church and our hearts are burning, but we don't recognize it because we're not, we're too afraid to get close to the table where Jesus is sitting, where he can reveal to us. Stand with me across this room. Here's what I know. He's better, he's better, he's better, 
things that have preoccupied my time. Bye-bye to the things that have kept me from seeing Jesus when he's walking beside me and I don't recognize his presence. Forgive me, God, for wanting fast food when you're setting a table for me right here. Here's all we're going to do, guys. I'm not going to call for the prayer team. For a ministry team, this is your chance. How hungry, and I will not get up and harp on this. How hungry are you for the presence of God in your life and your walk? Because if you want it, you'll find yourself up here at the table. So we're just going to worship. If you're hungry, come to the table.